listening to the Citizens Church podcast. Citizens Church exists to saturate Bryan College Station, Texas with the good news and love of Jesus. To learn more about Citizens Church, visit us online at citizensbcs.com. Today's message is from Pastor Ben Rush. Thanks, Jack. Hey, let's continue just in prayer for a moment. And if you would just bow your heads and uh, open your hands if you're comfortable with that. And we're just going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And then I'm going to end in prayer before we jump into Acts today. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we have to spend with one another. God, we open up our hearts and our hands. We ask that you would uh, just speak to us today, Jesus. Lord, we surrender our heart, our mind, our will, our emotions to the healing balance of the Holy Spirit. God, we ask that you would guide and lead us today. God, we also lift up uh, Brian Fisher and Grace uh, Church, Grace Bible Church. Thank you for their friendship to Citizens Church. Thank you for the great work that they're doing here in the city. We just bless them and thank you, God, for, for the one church that's in the city. And we also pray for, for Grace Bible today. We love you and we thank you. Now, God, I pray that you would make our hearts sensitive to your leading. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, turning your Bibles with me. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1. We're picking up kind of where we left off last week. And I will read, I'll start reading in verse 15. Uh, Just a quick reminder, if you don't have a Bible, maybe send me an email. We've got a lot of Bibles we can share with you, uh, give you one of your own. Um, There's a Bible app, you know, if you don't have that. Or the Dwell app, which I want to invite you to be a part of, uh, just a free resource that you can jump in on as well. We send out a service guide uh, on text. I don't know if you look at that anymore, but if you look, if you click on it, um, there's the scripture reading for today as well as the lyrics to the songs that we sing. And then there's a little coloring sheet for your kids and they can take notes along uh, with listening with you today. So Acts chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 15. It says, In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akadama, that is, field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us this whole time. The Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, 
Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. Last week, we looked at uh, two characteristics of the early church. Um, The church was together, and they were living in community. And the first thing that they did in community was pray. And the way that they prayed was unified. No one had an agenda. No one was trying to impress anyone else. Uh, Everyone was engaged in prayer. And their attitude in prayer was one of devotion. They prayed constantly, consistently, continually. Prayer was their reflex because it was their response to isolation and fear and uncertainty. And before they did anything, they prayed. Before they went anywhere, they prayed. Before anyone was ever healed in the early church, the first thing that they did was pray. So as disciples of Jesus, one of the characteristics is that we would be a people that not only live in in community with one another, but that also we are devoted to prayer. In our text today, uh, the disciples are in Jerusalem and they're waiting on the promise and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 15 says, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers. Uh, I just want to pause there, but because it, it, five or six weeks before this, Peter may not have even made it to this time of prayer with the 120. Because before Jesus was arrested, uh, Peter was the boldest, the bravest, uh, the most outspoken of the 12. And Jesus tells Peter, hey, you're going to deny me. And Peter's like, no way, Lord, I'm not going to deny you. And Jesus says, yes, you are going to deny me. And not only that, it's going to happen before the rooster crows. You'll have denied me three times. So later on, they arrest Jesus and Peter takes his sword out and cuts a dude's ear off. I mean, come on, this, this guy is, uh, he's a testosterone-filled, emotionally charged, uh, kind of short-fused guy. And a few hours, though, after that episode, he, he becomes a complete coward. He becomes a complete coward and even says to people, I don't even know him. Um, the, the section header, actually, in Luke chapter 22, verse 54 says that Peter disowns Jesus, and that's in bold. So right after Jesus' arrest, before his execution, the tensions were high, and Peter's following Jesus, uh, presumably around town, trying to see what's going on, and some people recognize Peter. Three people call him out, and actually the third person in any other translation other than the ESV says that he cussed them out. Like he was so mad and angry that he kept on being accused of being one of Jesus's disciples that he, he cusses this person out. And so this is what's going on. This is Peter, right? He's totally unstable, unhinged. He's denied Jesus at this point. And then as he denies Jesus the third time, the rooster crows and he catches Jesus's eye, Luke says. And, and, and it says that Jesus catches his eye. They look at one another and then Peter gets up and leaves and he weeps bitterly. And so we look at this Peter here in Acts chapter one. And he's a totally different guy, like 50 or 60 days later. Um, he's he's a man full of boldness and passion and vigor. 
And you ask the question, why? I ask the question, why? Well, because he's been restored. He's been forgiven. Um, If you know anybody that's been forgiven like this, they just have this attitude of, I just want to serve Jesus. Somebody that's been totally rescued from the depths of sin and and isolation and and brokenness. And and Jesus, what what can I do to serve you? That's the attitude of somebody that's been forgiven like, like Peter. So all of a sudden he's up. He's got some boldness. Jesus has restored him. Uh, he's back in the game, so to speak. And he is until the day he dies. I mean, by the way, uh, Peter, if you don't know this, was crucified like Jesus. But instead of being crucified, uh, standing up, he said, I- I'm, not, I'm not holy enough to be crucified that way. I want to be crucified upside down. And so they say, okay, and, and they crucify him upside down. So this is, this is Peter. He's going to live uh, a redeemed life because he's got a new lease on life. Jesus has, has rescued him and then he's given him a new identity, right? And so he's going to walk out in that. And that's the Peter that we see uh, in Acts chapter 1 uh, in this passage. So uh, back in verse 15, it says a, a group numbering about 120 was there. And we talked about this last week. Um, it, the apostles are there. The women are there. Uh, women that basically bankrolled Jesus's ministry. Women that were key leaders. Um, his mother is there. Uh, his brothers are there. Some of the mothers of the disciples are there, presumably. Some of the uh, wives of some of the apostles are maybe there. There's 120. And we know that that doesn't represent the entire church at that time because um, it says, uh, I think Paul said, actually, that Jesus shows up and appears to over 500 believers at one time. And so we're just getting a small picture of 120. They're in the upper room, they're praying. They're devoted, they're unified, they're together, and Peter stands up, and this is this is what he starts to say. He says, "We've got to we've got to do something about uh, what happened with Judas, right? They're in community, they're praying. Um, another characteristic of a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus, is that they base their life on the book. They base their life on the Word of God. They base their life on the Scriptures. Let's look at verse sixteen. Peter says, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. What's funny about uh, Peter here is he mentions Judas a couple of times. A spoiler alert, Peter does not like the dude. He doesn't like Judas at all. Peter's like, uh, that guy was with us. Um, we saw the same people healed. The people that we saw healed, Judas saw healed. The people that we saw raised to life, Judas saw raised to life as as well. The miracles that we saw. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, Judas is there. He saw all of that. How could he have done this? This guy, he gets what he deserves. He's at the place that he deserves. And I'm glad he's there is basically what Peter is saying. He's saying that and he's also navigating this very delicate, interesting thing where he's trying to make sense of a bunch of confusing things that are going on. And he enters into the realm of the the conversation that's complex and it's messy and it's confusing. And he basically says here, hey, guys, here's what's been going on. Judas was one of us, but that that did not take Jesus off guard. It didn't surprise him. He says, hey, this was part of um, Jesus's plan all along. Yeah, Judas betrayed Jesus, 
Jesus was innocent. He was murdered. Uh, Our Savior was murdered. He was lied about. He was betrayed. He was murdered. Judas did those things. But he said, hey, those things happened because Scripture said that it had to happen. So on one hand, we can look at everything that's going on around us and say, man, our world is falling apart. That's what they could have done. But they said, hey, we've been following Jesus. We've been serving him. We believe that he is God. Our world's fallen apart. But here's what the scriptures say. God is still in control. God is still sovereign. God still has a plan. And even when it looks like everything else in our life is falling apart, Peter starts to preach to the 120 from the scriptures. And he says, God's sovereign. God's in control. And then Peter goes to two kind of weird off the grid Psalms, some obscure Psalms and says, don't you remember what uh, the psalmist said right here? Don't you remember what the psalmist said in this other place? Uh, Peter says, may his place be deserted, which is talking about the field that he bought, Akaldama, and may another take his place of leadership. And so they've got this thing like there's 12, now there's 11. What do we do? You know, what, what are we supposed to do? Uh, and Luke, Jesus said to, to the disciples that all of the Old Testament and the prophets were the fulfillment uh, of the fulfillment of Scripture was pointing to Jesus. They're talking about Jesus. And so now the disciples are starting to look at passages in the Psalms and they're saying, hey, this has to do with us. It has to do with Jesus. It's pointing to Jesus. What's what's amazing is that Peter knows the Scriptures and he starts preaching the Scripture to them and they're listening to him preaching the Scripture. Um, in Acts chapter two, we're going to get to that in two or three weeks. Uh, the end of Acts chapter two describes the early church, and it says that they are devoted to the apostles' teaching, which is basically the Bible. I mean, they they get together often to read and study the scriptures, to learn the word. They would say, like, teach me. I need to learn the word. I'm hungry for the word of God. I need to know more about the word of God. This is a mark of a disciple of Jesus or an apprentice of Jesus. A mark of a disciple is not who you vote for. If you're voting on this side or or this other side, it's not that you believe this or you believe that about our government or coronavirus or anything else. I mean, that is not the mark of a disciple. The true mark of a disciple is that I live in community, I pray with other believers, and I'm devoted to the scriptures. Peter knew the word, and so he's telling the 120, he's counseling them, he's saying, look, guys, we're struggling it looks like Jesus. It looks like uh, Judas won here, but hey, this was a part of God's plan. And so, when they counseled each other, they would use scriptures like this. So, uh, the question I have for us today, for you, for me, is: Do we gather like this in community with other disciples of Jesus? Do we do we pray like like this? Are we devoted to the Word of God like this? Like, do you love it? Do you long for it? Do you memorize it? Do you think about it? Do you pray using these words? Um, if somebody came to you with the problem, a question, could, and they know you believe and follow Jesus, would you be able to say, man, I, I don't know, I'm not an expert, but I, I know this is what God's word says here. This is, this is what God's word says over here in this other area. Um, in the Psalms, David says that the word of God is sweeter than honey. It's sweeter than honey. He says that God's word is a lamp for our feet and a light to our path. The writer of Hebrews says that uh, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It says when we're depressed and when we're discouraged and when we're confused, 
the word says that it will judge the deepest and most innermost thoughts of our heart. So knowing and loving and living by the scriptures or the word of God is a mark of a disciples of a disciple. Um, let's look at this. They don't know what to do next. They're in a new place. Um, they're going from like Jesus has made all of the decisions for us and we just do what he says to like Jesus has now ascended to heaven and we have to make some decisions now. So for you and me, like how do we make decisions that please God? Let's look at their process. Verse 23. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, then Matthias, and they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, so he was added to the 11 apostles. How did they make their decision? Number one, the scripture led them. They based their decision on the scriptures. This is what the word of God says, and so like, this is what we're going to do. The second thing is they made decisions in community, not in isolation. Um, Peter didn't make this decision alone. Uh, the book of Proverbs is filled. It's stacked with commands for us, you and me, to have wise counsel in our life. I will rarely, if ever, make a major life decision without good and godly wise counsel. Uh, at Citizens Church, we have a strategic team. Uh, I, I don't make all the decisions on my own. I might have an idea that's like 90% of the way there, 95% of the way there, and I throw it past some people that have lived in, have lived in this city longer than a year. Then they'll smell it and they'll say, yeah, that's good, or no, that's not great, and we'll pray about it. We'll pray about it. Um, in my personal life, I go to people that I trust, that love me, that I know that are for me, that don't pull punches, they're going to be honest. Uh, they love Jesus and they're going to give me wise counsel. This is how they made decisions. This is how we make decisions. Uh, verse 23, it says they nominated two men. Um, they proposed these two guys and they're saying, hey, out of everything that we know, this is what we think is best. Uh, God has given us faith. He's given us wisdom. And both of these things are good gifts from God. And uh, we should use both of them. So they make a proposition based on what they know and what they think. Here's what we propose. Scripture tells me this. So we're going to make this decision together. Uh, I have these two things that are competing. I've got to make a decision out of, out of the two of them, which one I think is best. Uh, so what do they do? What do they do? First of all, they pray. Newsflash, they pray. Again, I mean, it's like I told you, it is all throughout the, the book of Acts. The early church is committed and devoted to prayer. They pray, Lord, you know everyone's heart. You know everyone's heart. Uh, show us who you have chosen. God, we think it might be this guy. It might be this other guy. We're not really sure. Will you just show us, lead us, guide us? Uh, I mean, if I'm there, I'm praying, Lord, please let it be Matthias, because I don't know this other guy. He's got three names. Is it Joseph? Is it Barsabbas? Is it Justice? I don't know what to call the guy. No one else knows what to call the guy. So please, God, please let it be Matthias. That's that's just me. That's what I'm praying. Uh, but they're, they're trying to make this decision as best as they can. 
And so how do we make decisions that please God? Uh, scripture, wise counsel, and prayer. In the Old Testament, uh, they would cast lots. It'd be like rolling the dice. Some of you are like, I do that all the time. It's sort of like that. Uh, actually, rolling the dice, though, um, is different because this is more for spiritual thing than a like a gambling thing. So uh, lots were done in a couple of ways. It wasn't a regular practice. It's not a regular practice today, by the way. I'm not making some case that we're going to roll dice and cast lots when we make decisions. But basically, they would take a jar and a couple stones. One's, uh, on one stone, they would write one guy's name. On the other st- stone, they write the other guy's name. And they throw it in the jar and they shake it. And then they pour it out. And the, whoever whoever's rock comes out first, that's that's it. And they're praying, God, hey, this is this weird thing that we do that you've instituted through the Old Testament law that we're not using this decision-making device all of the time, but we know based on this back here that you did it and you used this. And so we're going to, we don't know what to do. And we've bought, brought the best two guys up and we're going to just see what happens. God, would you show us? Would you lead us? And that's what they, that's what they do. Um, I don't know about you. I've asked for God to show me signs. Show me a sign, Lord. If it's your will, give me a dream, Lord. Uh, God, if you want us to move to Bryan College Station, would you write it in Sharpie on my bedroom wall, Bryan College Station? I'm just, I, I just wanted that to happen. Um, in my experience, most of the time, um, that sort of thing doesn't happen. It can happen. God can, can work in any way. I mean, he's limitless. And so I'm not saying he won't, but he's never done it really in my life. And so, uh, you know, they're asking the Lord for direction. They're saying, God, would you lead us? And so they use this little device. Maybe, maybe for you or, or some of you that somebody, somebody that you know, when they're making a decision, they just start taking a step in this direction. God, I feel like this is an open door. I know that you've led us here. I've prayed about it. I have peace about it. I've gotten wise counsel. Everybody's given me the thumbs up. And so I'm just going to take a step in this direction. And until you close the door, Lord, I'm just, I'm just trusting that this is the direction. This is the relationship. This is the, the business opportunity that you want me to go for. And so that's, that's how we make decisions. We make decisions when we pray, uh, Psalm 25, four, we say, show me your ways. Oh Lord, show me your ways. I'm limited. I don't know enough about this situation or that situation. God, I can see both sides and I don't really get what I'm supposed to do. So Lord, would you just show me your ways? As people of Jesus, we want to do what he wants. Sometimes um, we have ideas about things that we want to do or maybe things we want to buy or places we want to go. And then we match it up with scripture and we're like, no, that's probably not a good idea because this is what the word says. We want to base our decisions off of of the word. We seek God, we pray, and we want to know and do what he wants us to do. So are you are you a disciple like that? Are you a disciple that, that lives out these characteristics, uh, living your life um, in community with other people? Uh, Christ followers, are you, are you praying with other disciples of Jesus? Um, do you know and love and live the scriptures? Are, are these the characteristics of your life? I mean, are you seeking to submit to God and his will? Is this you? Is this how you live? Um, there's, there's lots of resources we've shared, um, a lot of times with just 
starting to fall in love with scripture, it, it does, it's not a romantic endeavor. I mean, you may wake up one on the first day of ever reading and you might really see something stand out to you. But most days, uh, man, I'm asking the Lord, Jesus, will you reveal something from your word? Lord, would you show me a part of your heart for me or for others, a part of your character, a part of your nature? Lord, would you show up? Would you reveal yourself? Um, we've got the Bible reading plan. Uh, Josh talked about it a little while ago. We talk about it a lot. We want to be reading scriptures together. And so when we do hang out in community, we've got a baseline for conversations. We say, man, this last week I was reading this and that and Acts, and oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Or, oh my gosh, that really challenged me. Or man, I'm not really doing so well in this area or that area. And so would you pray for me? And so we're joining together in prayer. These are the markers of believers, of disciples, of followers of Jesus. So I want to encourage you to jump in to the Bible reading plan. Use some of the resources like the Dwell app that I've talked about. Maybe you're on the go, you're driving a lot, or you run, you're out taking walks. I'd encourage you to get the Dwell app. It's amazing. Um, you can change your your vocal actor. You can change the music bed. I mean, you can tweak, you can do all kinds of things with it. So it's it's really amazing. Lots of different translations available as well. But at the end of the day, we're going to follow the Lord. We're going to draw near to him. The Bible says as we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And so that's what we're doing. We're just saying, Lord, we want to be more like you. We want to be like you. We want to learn how to be with you. We want to learn to do what you did. Lord, we're, we're your students. Would you teach us? And in that, we just have an attitude of surrender. Do we, do we hit the mark every day? Are we living like the apostles every day? Do we look like Jesus every day? Probably not. I mean, I don't know about you, but probably not. But that doesn't keep us from going back and surrendering day after day after day and picking up our cross and following him day after day after day. That's the life that we've been called to. So my prayer for us as citizens, uh, as we study Acts together, is that something in this story would ignite us. It would, it would light up in our hearts. I want to see God do something powerful in us, in, in our lives, in our families, in Bryant College Station, and with the one life I've got, I'm choosing to do this. Uh, regardless of, you know, the title that I have or whatever, that doesn't even matter. I'm choosing to live my life for Jesus and all out surrender. There's nothing like it. I want to see something powerful in my, in my life. I want to see God at work in my life. I want to see us live as true disciples of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? I'm going to pray. Thanks for joining us today for the message. We hope it was encouraging to you. To learn more about Citizens Church, including gathering times and locations, or to give financial support, please visit citizensbcs.com. And again, thanks for listening to the Citizens Church podcast.